0: All right, let's get out to the Sprint Special Guest Line. It's time for our NBA Daily Assist. Joining us, one of our favorites, of course, from the Bleacher Report, he is Howard Beck. Hi, Howard. How are you?
1: Hey, guys. Good afternoon.
0: Hey, so, Howard, give us your takeaway from Game 1. Uh, what did the Raptors do right? What did the Warriors do wrong?
1: Um, Yes, you know, there's a little bit of right and wrong. It's also just a matter of, you know, sometimes things just go a certain way. And for the Warriors, I think... You know they had a defensive game plan that was clearly all about trying to contain or deny Kawhi Leonard, and the more they focused on him, then you could see them throwing extra bodies at him all the time. It just really left guys open, and I think their defensive scheme. You know, obviously there's always a, a you, you know where you're leaving um, some holes, and you're supposed to adjust as you go. And so were they supposed to leave Marcus all standing out there for like five seconds for an uncontested shot that he could, you know, sit there think about you know, read the collective works of Dr. Seuss and then finally shoot. Um, Like that's probably not the the plan, Um, but they let Gasol, you know, left him too much room. They let Siakam get loose. Um, As Steve Kerr said last night, they were terrible in transition. And, you know, if they just cut down their turnovers and played better transition D, it's not like that game was, was not within their grasp. It was, and you know, the Raptors also a really good team. Um, and, you know, I think if you're the Raptors, you're feeling like, you know, that you have a, a relatively quiet night from Kawhi and can still win it with your third year forward uh, leading the way and having this breakout game it was fantastic. Now, can you expect that to be the formula night in, night out in a series like this? Probably not. Um, you know, and I think the other concern for the Warriors coming out of it is, you know, obviously Iguodala uh, pulling up lame and uh, I guess the the... the diagnostics on him came back negative today, so he's probably fine, but fine is relative at this point. You know, I don't know if that may limit him on Sunday, and if that's the case, that's, that's a big problem for them.
2: Siakam's been a little bit up and down this year, but uh, last night I think that's the best I've seen him play. Do you uh, imagine him being able to maintain anywhere near that level last night, or do you think the Warriors put a clamp on him?
1: Well, they'll, they'll do what they can to adjust, but, I mean, do they – do they have anybody of his height and length, and you know, to, to to stay with him? I mean, he proved to be a little bit too much for Draymond last night, and Draymond vowed to contain him better the next time. But maybe Draymond's just not the best fit for him. Maybe it would be a, you know better to try to put Iguodala on him. The problem is you've got Iguodala shadowing Kawhi, so now who takes Kawhi? And this is the problem with not having Kevin Durant. Not only are you missing an MVP caliber player who's probably the best scorer in the league, but you're missing just another active long body who can guard and and fill up space and and stay with a guy and and has the athleticism and length to do it they just don't have too many guys like that that you know where else do you turn you know are you you know do, can you uh count on kavan looney or jordan bell to, to guard siakam for long minutes i i don't know if that's the case um so it, it's a challenge for the Warriors, and and that's you know look this is how the Raptors got here. They they do have a really nice one-two punch in in Kawhi and and Siakam.
0: Van Vliet has been absolutely terrific since he had a baby. Of all things, are we going to see that turn into a trend?
1: <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a replicatable formula, um, <laughs> but yeah, he, he's it's um maybe the lack of sleep means you don't. Uh, you you're too tired to overthink it, you know. But uh no, he's been he's been great.
0: So uh if Kevin Durant can re- return and I've uh, there's a report from Yahoo Sports that he uh is is expecting to return at some point in this series. Are are do you think the Warriors, I guess this is a low-hanging fruit question for today, but do they need him to beat the
1: Raptors? Um I don't know. I mean, listen. We always we're always prisoners of the moment. We always overreact to the most recent game. And look, it wasn't that long ago that everybody was thought the Raptors were dead because they were down two zero to the Bucks. And you know, I, I remember when the Raptors were dead against the Sixers too, when they they got killed in a, in a game three, in which everybody looked too old and Kyle Lowry looked like he couldn't handle the, the moment and all this other stuff. And that was a few weeks ago, and you know. They survived that series, and they survived the Bucks and, and then again, here they are. Um, we're now doing the same thing to the Warriors. We're looking at one game and saying, you know, gee, Iguodala and Sean Livingston look old, and you know, uh, Steph couldn't quite get untracked, and boy, they really missed Kevin Durant, and you know, maybe they don't have a shot without, and you know, it's the same stuff, but you know, uh, every game is its own thing. I don't think that these teams are that far apart. I think that before the series started, you figured even without Durant, the Warriors could beat them, but that it would possibly take six or seven instead of a quicker series. Um, the Raptors are really good, and without Durant for the Warriors, they're that much more closely matched. And I think that's still the case. I mean, I don't, I don't think anything has really changed based on one game, frankly. And you know, if Durant is in fact going to come back between, you know, somewhere between games three and four, I, I mean, I still find it a stretch to think that he'd play in game 3 because he hasn't even practiced with the team yet and that you know he hasn't even done 2 on 2 like he, he hasn't done any any on court work with teammates out there so i think 4 sounds more realistic than 3 to me that's the consensus among people i talk to but that's that's more just tea leaf reading than anything but you know they just got to survive without him you know they could still they could still steal home court advantage by winning sunday and if they lose that one and they're going home with the knowledge that Durant's coming back in one of those two games, um, you know, this this thing could turn into a, a, what we would expect, which is a, a longer series.
2: In your opinion, who's a, bl- a better player irritant, Spike Lee of the 90s or Drake of of today? <laughs> um, I say that's the 90s interesting because, because let be honest, Spike Lee hasn't yeah. done anything lately because he can't.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, Spike versus Reggie was next level, and and it, and it was you know uh, it was over the course of of years too, um, and Drake doesn't do a lot. I mean uh, aside from last night, Drake's just kind of a Drake's more annoying to fans than I think he is to players. I don't I don't think he's considered an, a, a that big of an irritant to opponents, even though he's gotten into it to you know got into it with Kendrick Perkins and now drama, but. I don't know. I don't. I don't know that anybody takes him that seriously. Spike Spike had a good trash talking game, and and him versus Reggie is bigger than any than any single feud Drake has sparked so far. So I guess I'll lean Spike.
0: Howard back with us from the Bleacher Report. Howard, we've seen a report from a couple of days ago that Daryl Morey is is kind of putting anybody out, or everybody out there for a possible trade. Then we saw yesterday that uh, Mike D'Antoni and uh, the franchise have cut off uh, uh, negotiations for an extension. Uh, they've basically fired all of uh, D'Antoni's staff from last year. Uh, what exactly is going on in Houston? I
1: don't. Know where to begin there. Um, <laughs> there's clearly uh, there's clearly a lot of discontent. How much of that is coming from the front office and how much of that is coming from their new owner, Tillman Fertita, is hard to tell. But this sometimes happens when you have an ownership change and especially this generation of NBA owners where they come in, they think they've got all the answers, they think that they need to be really hands on and be really involved and so they you know, and especially when you've spent the kind of money that Fertita that has in his first couple of years here. And the the contract that they extended to Chris Paul especially, and um, they're, you know, they had high expectations. They thought they were a team that could knock off the Warriors, and they fell just short a year ago. and They fell further short this year without Durant even out there to, to finish them off. And so there's discontent that goes with that. And, you know, the NBA, it's, it's, a, it's all about results. And so that discontent is leading to, well, what can we do? Well, the roster's not that easy to change, so let's mess with the coaching staff or, you know, uh yeah i mean if, if, if it, it's hard to tell what's going on with with dantoni himself like are they seriously trying to force him out or is this just a tough negotiation um is was this shaking up the coaching staff for the purpose of wanting new blood in there or was it for the purpose of alienating him and getting him to quit uh because that would be bizarre there was always like a, a really great alignment for the last couple of years between Harden and D'Antoni and the front office and ownership, they were, they were all on the same page. They, were, they really all had the same idea about how to win. And that hasn't changed in the sense that they, they, they have a good formula. They just have run into a better team, you know. And, 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 you know, so a lot of people have. A lot of people can't get past the Warriors. Um, and, you know, the Rockets roster has some limitations. And Chris Paul's up there in years. So, you know, I don't know that, you know, they're going to resolve anything or, or improve by knocking D'Antoni out and replacing him with somebody else. Like, that's not going to get them anywhere. But maybe they feel like there's not much else they can do. And so the report about them making everybody available, um, yeah, they kind of have to. Like, where else – I mean, what else are you going to do at this point? There's no cap room to add to, to add guys. You don't have, uh, you know, a surplus of draft picks, and you're drafting low with your own picks – there's really not that many ways forward other than to just to shake it up or you run it all back exactly the same and hope for a different outcome.
2: Boy, I so badly wanted to take you from one mess to another and talk about the Lakers, but I, I'm i going to give you a break on that one. Uh, what Appreciate teams it. Have you, <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. But what teams have you excited next year as far as uh, not being able to know because of an injury or a new player? For me, it's Dallas. I'm excited to see what's going to happen with Porzingis. Um, any teams for you on your radar next year that have a little bit of uncertainty just because of new players or players coming back from injury?
1: Um, you know, I mean, it's an easier question to answer when we get to say mid-July and we know where Durant has landed and Kawhi has landed and Kyrie and Kemba Walker and all these guys. I mean, the the, the league could look dramatically different in the fall. Um, you know, if if the Nets get one of these guys, Clippers get one of these guys. You know, if LeBron gets help, if the Knicks get somebody, I mean, there's just so much that can happen um, this summer because of the number of high level free agents that are available and the number of teams with cap room. I mean, I'm intrigued by Dallas. You mentioned Porzingis. I mean, the Porzingis Doncic uh, pairing, depending on what they can put around them, and they should have cap room to work with too. Could be really exciting. Like Dallas, could be a ton of fun to watch next season. And then you look at a team like Denver. You know, what's the next step they're going to take? Um, where does Anthony Davis land, assuming he still gets traded? You know, so like in terms of intrigue for next season, so much is dependent on what happens this summer with free agency and an Anthony Davis trade and and then the draft too. So, um, good conversation for us to have again in about six weeks.
0: Howard, thank you so very much as always. Enjoy the finals. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Howard. The great Howard Beck from the Bleacher Report joining us for our NBA Daily Assist. And uh, Howard, always good.
2: He's great. And he makes a good point, Jake. In July, there's going to be a lot of interesting conversations to be had. So much content as far as uh, dissecting what teams in the NBA will be exciting to watch next year. I feel like every summer, at least the last three or four last summers, have been that way because of free agents and. Um, trades and draft picks. Not only, I mean, think about it. Everything he just talked about we didn't even mention the draft. Right. Right? So Zion Williamson. Uh, Williams? Williamson. Williamson. Okay. For a second, I thought it was Williams, but I said it right the first Wait, time.
0: Now you've got me. No, Zion.
2: Zion Williams. Zion Williams. I don't know why I said Williams.
0: Williamson. No, that's right. I'm sorry. Why Why are you confusing me? Why yeah, are you I doing don't know. this it's to me? It's been a minute. Jeez. Everybody
2: just says Zion.
0: Yeah, just let's stick with that.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And let's go to Ryan from Bullfrog Spas, (laughs) shall we? Shall we get off this? It's going to be an
2: exciting uh, off-season, though.
0: train wreck. (laughs) Uh, We'll get to more coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.